Welcome, everyone. I'm Joel Van Hoogen, and this is The Bread of Life, a ministry of church partnership evangelism and the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. To learn more about our ministries, go to breadoflifeboise.org. For now, we go back into our archives about 20 years to complete a consideration on the life of Matthew. As a tax collector, Matthew was a sinner and a traitor to his people. He was also one of two disciples in the New Testament called the son of Alphaeus. His name was in Hebrew, Levi. It seems clear that Matthew was the son of a righteous man and a member of the priestly tribe of Israel. This brought to Matthew certain privileges which he cast aside to pursue his own lust. Yet in all this, Matthew surprises us, for he was still being influenced by the promptings of God, even as he continued in his sins. Matthew shows us that we cannot see what gracious work God is doing in the heart of any man. For a moment, don't discount all of the godly instruction that he received as a young man. You think that he's not paid any attention to it. You think that he's completely turned his back on all these things. But even there in his booth, as he's stealing from his fellow Jews, he's remembering what he's been taught and what he's been instructed. And it's still stirring up within him while he's collecting his coins and while he's cheating people and while he's extorting them with unfair taxes and while he's lying to and defrauding his fellow citizen. In all of this, Matthew is still being worked upon by the Spirit of God. And so there at his tax booth in Capernaum by the Sea of Galilee, the same city that Jesus would consider his home port where he would go back to again and again throughout all of his journeys throughout Galilee and in Israel, there in that place, Jesus would frequently set up himself to teach by the seashore and to teach individuals as the boats would come in and the fishermen were working on their nets and Jesus would establish the people along the shoreline and the water behind them would be an amphitheater to broadcast the sound of his voice to those that were in the marketplaces and working in that place at Capernaum. And there Matthew would be at his booth. And different times when Jesus would speak, people would stop coming to pay at his booth because they were drawn away to listen to Jesus speaking along the waterfront. And Matthew was there as well. And there wasn't any activity around his booth. And Matthew was, even as he sat at that sinful place, listening. He was listening to what Jesus was saying. He was hearing the words. Even as he continued to conduct his affairs day in and day out, the sinful activity he was thinking about what Jesus was saying. He was ruminating on all these things. It was stirring up things within him. And God was slowly turning him back to himself. And maybe he was thinking, you know, is it too late for me? Am I too far gone? Could God do this in my life? Could this man truly be the Savior? Could he transform my life? No, I'm at this station. This is the place I've chosen. This is where I must stay back at this sinful place. Listen, the point is this. What I'm trying to tell you is this. Listen, when people saw Matthew at his tax booth, they might as well have seen a prostitute on the street corner on Saturday night and Friday night. 
In other words, he was at a station where he was conducting an evil affair, and he was categorized in that same place. This man was a sinner, and he was in the middle of continuing to conduct his sin. He might have well have been a drug dealer who was selling drugs out of the back of his house, and he was continuing to do it. He was in his station working his corner on the street or wherever it was, and he continued to do his evil, sinful work, and as he sat at the booth, all the people saw him conducting his sinful affairs, and they didn't know in the middle of all those things, even as he was continuing to stay at his booth, he was thinking about and wondering about and hoping and wondering if God could change him. And all the time that he was continuing his sin, the Spirit was still working, turning him to himself. We don't know what goes on in the hearts of men. We don't know what God is doing there. I find it interesting that when Jesus came to Matthew, I don't think Jesus came out of the blue. I think that Matthew had been hearing what Jesus was teaching and was being worked upon by the Holy Spirit and had been experiencing the news of what Christ was doing and teaching and instruction and all this was working in his heart and the Spirit was at work. And then the day came when Jesus came to Matthew and said, come follow me. And Matthew was ready to follow in a moment because he had been considering it all along. The, the Spirit had been working on him and as soon as the call came, Matthew said, oh yeah, this is what I want and he left it all to follow him. But what I find interesting is when Jesus came to Matthew, he didn't come to Matthew trying to reform himself. He didn't come to Matthew at the synagogue trying to get back to pray. He didn't find Matthew at the temple trying to worship. He didn't find the Matthew out passing out alms and trying to reverse his lifestyle. When Jesus came to Matthew, he found Matthew at the booth where he was collecting his taxes, right in the heart of his sin. He was still at it. And Jesus called him there right at the heart of his depravity and said, come, follow me. And Matthew followed him because even in the heart of that sinful place, God was working on Matthew's heart. You see? Listen, we do not know what God is doing in the heart of men and women. We are so easy to dismiss a person because of some thing they're doing that we think to be sinful and repulsive and we don't want to have anything to do with them and we think that person is gone and we look at a person who's arrogant or proud about his atheism or whatever his views are and we dismiss that person and you know what we almost become intimidated by them Jesus actually said that when the disciples were to go out into the cities he sent them out two by two in different villages he said if they were came to a home and they found a person of peace that was receptive to them that they could go into the home but if the person rejected them that they were to take their shoes and they were to wipe the dust off their shoes and leave them and as if to say look we did our best we tried and leave that man over to God's judgment but you know what we do we see a person in his sin, and we see a person who's behaving in a way that we find repulsive or offensive to us, and we take our shoes off and we wipe the dust off our feet before them before we even give them an opportunity to hear the good news of Jesus Christ, before we even stop to really intercede for them and show them the love of God and minister to them and be kind to them and gracious to them, you see? And we don't understand that a person can be entrenched in their sins and God's Spirit can be in that same place working and moving and shaping and pulling them back to the light, calling them to himself. You see, God is still at work in the hearts of men. And so God calls, Jesus calls Matthew to follow him right out of his tax booth. And Matthew, because God has been at work, Matthew is ready to leave. He's ready to go. What does it teach us again? It teaches us the same application. Hope for all. And do not give up hope in any. God can reach a man at any point in any time. 
I was in Lima, Peru, when the Shining Path they were on the war path there, and they were going into churches, and they were detonating bombs, and they were taking pastors by gunpoint and killing them. You have this going on now in Colombia among the FARC. One pastor shared with me in the Pan American Church in Lima, Peru, which is in one of the poorer areas of the city, how that a man had come to church and that he had a bomb on him, and he was looking through the church to determine where he would set the bomb up to detonate it. And during the service, he heard the testimonies of the people and the songs of the people and the wonderful message that Jesus Christ can transform a life and that this is the only hope men have. And instead of finding a place to set up his bomb, the place that he went to search out at the end of the service was the altar. He went forward and asked God to forgive him his sins and give his life to Christ. It happens. Men are not beyond the hope of God. One day a man can be holding the cloak of individuals who are slaying Stephen with stones and marching on his way to stone all the Christians and put them in jail. And the next day he can be preaching the gospel, like Paul said, saying, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ because I know it is the power of God and the salvation to all who believe. No man is beyond hope. Let's look at the third point as the last point. It's this. Matthew also shows us what Matthew has learned because of his encounter with Christ. And do you know what Matthew learned? Matthew learned that no person is beyond the saving grace of God and that we can never tell what gracious work God is doing in the heart of any man. Because when Matthew came to Christ, I think Matthew may remember the verse that he memorized. After he came to Christ, he remembered Psalms chapter 107, verse 2, where it says, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. And Matthew wanted to say so. He wanted to tell his friends what God had done for him. And so Matthew gathered together all of his friends and he threw this great party, this great feast. And I think Matthew invited tax collectors and he invited sinners and he invited all the people he hung around with. But he also invited his mom and his dad and his brothers and all of his friends and neighbors who thought that he was beyond hope. And he tried to get them all to come. And, you know, some of the righteous people didn't come because they didn't want to mix up with all those tax collectors. But he threw this big party and he had Jesus come to it because he wanted them to know what God had done in his life. He wanted to make a clean break to follow Jesus publicly before all these individuals. And he wanted them to hear this wonderful message as well. He wanted them to possibly receive the invitation to come and follow Jesus as well because he knew that no person was beyond the saving grace of God and that you cannot know what gracious work God is doing in the heart of any sinner. And so he extended and he made a place so others might hear this message as well. And Jesus vindicated Matthew's assumption because Jesus says to the Pharisees to come up and say, why are you eating with these sinners? Jesus says, don't you know God has said, I desire mercy and not sacrifice? Don't you know the physician comes to heal the sick? Don't you know that I have not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance? This is where I want to be. This is my mission. This is what I do. Because no man is beyond the saving grace of God. And you never know what gracious work God is doing in the heart of any man. This is what Matthew came to understand because this is what Matthew experienced in his life. How about you? Do you understand that? Isn't this what you experienced as well? Were you better than Matthew before you became a Christian? Paul says, before we came to Christ, we were all dead in our transgressions and sins, all of us, just as dead as Matthew was, you see. And when you realize that, you come to understand that it's true, that no man is beyond hope because I wasn't beyond hope. And God is graciously working in the heart of men because he was graciously working in my heart before I ever came to him. Here's a little bit of application, a practical application that I can give to you to our message. How do we pray for people who don't know Jesus as the Lord and Savior? How do we intercede for them? Let me take you to Luke chapter 5, verse 27. 
And let me just read to you what Luke says about this account. And in it, let me just give you a prayer, an outline, and it's just a little application for you. If no man is beyond hope and we are to hope for all men, then one of the ways we express that hope is we intercede for people. We pray for them. This is what it says. Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. When you see people in their stations in life, their sinful stations in life, their self-content stations in life, where they think, and this is sin, they think they can do it without God, you're seeing a Matthew. And this is how you can pray. First, pray this. Pray that God gives them the grace to hear Christ's invitation. Pray that God gives them the grace to hear Christ's invitation. Follow me. Pray, secondly, that God grants them the grace to leave all the lures of sin in the self-life. Pray that God will give them the grace to leave all. And third, pray that God will give them the grace in leaving all to follow Jesus. God, give them the grace to hear you inviting them. God, grant them the grace to repent and turn from it all and leave all. God, give them the grace in leaving all to follow you. That's a good prayer. Because we should hope for all and not lose hope in any. Because God, saving grace, can reach anyone. This truth also, as a last application, should humble us and should keep us humble because what is true of Matthew was true of ourselves as well. When Mark and Luke present the list of the 12 apostles, when they come to the list of Matthew, they just list Matthew by his name Matthew. There's no other information. Matthew is just Matthew. But when Matthew goes and writes the list of all the 12 apostles that Jesus chose, Matthew writes this, and Matthew the tax collector basically said, and one of the twelve was Matthew, the sinner. And Matthew never forgot the sinful place from which God drew him out, and he remained humble before him. Let's do the same, and then hope for all, and lose hope for none, because Jesus Christ can save all by grace. This has been the Bread of Life, a ministry of church partnership, evangelism, and the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. We are at work to take this gospel to the ends of the earth, and we need your prayers and your support. To learn more, go to traincpe.org or breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, may God bless you.